Good morning, Patriots. Today is Thursday, February 8th in the year 2024. There is increasing traffic suggesting that communications suggesting that the new world order is really on its heels. Unfortunately, you're dealing with psychopaths, and unfortunately, we have the bulk of the idiots here in this nation. And by idiots, I don't just mean those that are in power. I mean those fools that follow these ideas foolish ideals, and foolish religion of wokeism. And so as we watch the global network of power disintegrate and new populist orders rise, I dare say that we're going to be suffering the worst part of it because we have allowed fools to take control and fools to influence children and fools to persuade the feckless weak of this nation to where we are at a point when the few, the mighty few of God are going to have to stand and hold a firm line to take this nation back. This is part of the reality of letting your country sink into the abyss where God is not present anymore, where we have allowed the mainstreaming idea that there is more than one, more than two genders, that it is acceptable to mutilate children for their gender preference and a variety of other things. So we are at a very critical point right now in our nation of deciding truly how we will end and restart. And I did say that very specifically. The old nation of the United States has to be terminated. That means the institutions that have been built up 
which predominantly have expanded since Operation Paperclip in World War II, post-World War II, which allowed for the infiltration of Nazis and the strengthening of a governance system within our nation built around Nazi ideals in order to gain greater power for themselves and subdue a nation from within. All of that has to be looked at in terms of a lie and an experiment gone deeply wrong. And so our push now needs to be to restore the republic, hold people accountable, no matter how difficult that is. And even strong patriots are going to have to cringe at some of the accountability that's to come if we are going to reset this nation. We'll get to that all in just a moment. Patriots, we have a new sponsor I'm bringing on board, and this new sponsor is one I'm very proud of. It's one that is going to be part of helping control debt, and it's called Done With Debt. They are a a solid group, and we've looked for them for a while because I think people do suffer from debt management in certain ways, and that's part of getting yourself free. It's one of those things that when you're you start to have debt in your life. It starts to consume your thinking. It consumes your waking time. And it, the whole system itself becomes the trap that holds you and it doesn't allow you to be free and be free, into the, especially free into the relationship with God. The interest rates on cards and last-minute loans, short-term loans, can get us caught into impossible situations. And there's an insane inflation that strikes you, especially when you have to get your paycheck and watch so much of it go away. So debt becomes a self-perpetuating demon, so to speak. Done with debt is something I think can can become a person's lifeline. And done with debt has some ingenious new strategies to help erase your debt faster and easier than you thought possible. Done with debt analyzes your debt options you qualify for. They know how to reduce bills. They know how to cut interest rates. Their skilled staff of negotiators help you get your debt out of your life permanently without bankruptcy and without a loan, which is huge. Done with debt are the experts in brilliant strategies for eliminating debt, but you need to hurry because Done With Debt solutions are time sensitive. So here's the easy way to go. Go to donewithdebt.com. That's donewithdebt.com. And so again, go to donewithdebt.com and check them out. The solution I think needs to be on the table for the offerings that we have here in Bars Nation, because I know that there are debt issues and debt again, is one that keeps us away ultimately from our goal. So check them out, donewithdebt.com. I think you'll be very pleased. Okay. I want to begin with just a discussion here. It was a post by Harari, our favorite Yuval Noah Harari. And he writes, populist leaders are on the rise around the world, attacking the liberal global order. And we should replace liberal with Nazi. They haven't, they've, haven't explained what will replace the order they have destroyed, and the result is disorder, chaos, and violence we are seeing today. In other words, what he's saying through this ingenu- disingenuous post on X is that the global world, the global liberal order is broken and dying. Their master plan of enslaving the world is not working. So by deflection as we know they do so well, and reflection outwards from them. They don't want to take responsibility for the world chaos. What they want to take is blame the populist leaders that are out here lifting up people and putting people's values first and returning to a a power structures that give power to the people so that they look like the good guys. Let's be very real about what we're talking about here. We are dealing with a global system of control that has worked over time to destabilize nations, to subjugate people to pain and misery, and to literally put us all in a place of such enslavement that we would never, ever be be able to recover. The problem we have with all of this is that we all know the truth. And as they say, the truth will set you free. And that ultimately becomes one of our greatest weapons in all of this is the fact that if we don't continue to speak the truth and continue to push that forward, we are 
not going to be able to free humanity and continue with our job. We have been deeply programmed in a nation, and though we've talked about this a great deal, we know that people are living in the matrix and will not easily leave the matrix going forward. They don't know how to live without it. They will defend the matrix before they give it up. That's a simple truth. And that simple truth is one that totally leaves us in a lurch because people don't want to come out of that which they have become so comfortable living in. Our world right now is in a mess. And it unfortunately comes down to the individual person. And the individual person out here is not looking, not enough people are looking up. We see a rise of an awakening in this world and there's no question that that awakening is happening. But the, the propensity of people is to always go to that which they have most comfort in. And that comfort, when it's built into material things, becomes very easy to re resort back to if they dream that it's possible. The impending, this is from an article this morning in Zero Hedge, which is t titled, The Great Reset is Dead, Long Live the Great, Long Live the Great Reset. Starts with a quote, the Babylon project was our last best hope for peace. It failed. Susan Ivanova, which was season three opening sequence of Babylon 5. It's a good quote because it was their last great chance to secure and enslave humanity. And they've done a heck of a job at destroying humanity in big ways. They have managed to literally destroy so much of humanity that we're going to be left with the casualties of this for many, many years. And we all know this. How we get through this remains a great question because what is going to require of all of us is a new level of understanding for each other and a new compassion for each other that ultimately is going to stretch us all in every possible way we can imagine. The issue at hand right now is understanding the root of so much of this problem. And so much of this problem started with us as people. It started with, with us as a nation becoming very lulled to sleep with the offerings of free, the offerings of easy, the offerings of convenience, the offerings of me, the better, the idea that somehow everything was going to become easy. And unfortunately, that same mentality is corrupting us now. If you're listening to people, there's a lot of discussion about Nisera Jisera again, about the Jubilee coming. And if you listen to what is being said, it's again, it's a society that's seeking to have an easy way out. I'm really kind of stunned because the Nisera Jisera model is a complete psyop. It was designed specifically to keep people in entrapment to accept a universal basic income. That was its whole concept and function. And it, it always seems to miss people as to who was behind it because it was easy to say, well, this was passed, I believe it was 1999. There's no good people around the government at that time that were going to do anything for the benefit of humanity. There's this strange naivete that comes across people when they look at these things because people are eager and wanting to be made free by free, meaning I don't want it to cost me anything. I don't want it to have any blood, sweat, and tears in this. I just want to have it all better now, and I want to know that there's going to be this unlimited amount of money and wealth that we're going to reclaim from the elites that somehow I'm justified to because I've suffered all these years. That's the same mentality that goes in the reparations model that is trying to push on black communities. It's the same mentality that's being put upon the illegals that are coming in here. So if we want to look at Nasera Jasera and you want to say, well, the Jubilee is here. If I was an illegal coming across the border from nothing, I'd say I've arrived at Jubilee, is what I would say. And so this is a very disturbing trend we have in our nation right now. And it's unfortunately, one of the groups that's pushing this is the Christian community. They are strong in this idea of a great, big, easy drop that somehow God's going to open up the skies and pour out resources from heaven. Because part of this new era is going to give us all this unlimited wealth and everything we need, and God will provide everything for free. I've never bought into that model, and I never will. I believe that jubilee in the sense of heaven is when we begin to achieve, understand the greater wealth that we carry within our spiritual relationship with the Father. I think that 
in a sense of a jubilee from heaven, it's when we step into the greatness of our gifts and talents that God wants us to have. Without the burdensome and ogring that goes on with this current government and current structure where everything is negative, everything is impossible, and everything is built on violence and hate. I think that's a jubilee that gives us a wealth beyond measure. And the question is, what are we going to do with it? It doesn't mean we get to just suddenly require all this wealth and we're able to start buying up land and, and just doing whatever we want to do, because I will tell you the default. If you think we're bad now, try that and see how fast it takes a society across the globe to collapse completely for people to be 100% lazy and warlordism to kick in. You will be amazed at how quickly that'll happen, probably less than three years. Because people by nature are literally just lazy in this day and age. And that's not how God made us. God didn't make us to be those that are on waiting for someone else to fix things for us. God made us to be laborers. And what God intended for us to do was to build into those talents that he gave us to build what we needed to build. And wealth is translated in many different ways in the physical realm, but wealth in kingdom is always about building the riches in kingdom by the love of our brother and bringing them home. It's not a difficult equation. And so as we walk in this time and we're starting to see the weight of this time happen, the, the consequences of a great psyop is that no matter if you lose, you still win. Understand that. When you run a great and solid psyop campaign, you never, unless you can overcome the psyop, you never lose. Because you seed the ideals that you know will tear down a society way ahead of your loss because you know you can rise again. And even if it is not you that rises, you know that you will destroy the goal of what your opponent is trying to do. Our corrections that we have to make in this society get to the root of, of a moral character and they're anchoring in a true faith. It means that we are going to have to change the lifestyles in which we live. We have to innovate in different ways. We have to get back to the land. We have to seek the ancient paths in the true sense of understanding that there is a simpler, simpler life is a more valued life. This push towards getting back to homesteading, which and home gardening and the whole principles of putting ourselves back into that model of county by county, restructuring our lives to be accountable for the things that we have. That's fundamental to scripture. And it shouldn't be done with this outward hope that somehow that everything is suddenly going to be given to us. I believe that God gives us more as we show we can steward more. Where much is given, much is asked. But that last part is critical. Where much is asked, much is given. So that's the inversion, but it's the same thing. We have to understand that there's a responsibility for what is given to us to steward. I've been very blessed in my life, but I haven't sat on the sideline waiting with my hands up saying, God, when are you going to give me money? Everything has come about through the process of me working and letting God open doors that I would never have imagined possible to open. That in itself is a jubilee. And in my life, I could say there's been a tremendous amount of jubilee going on because the doors have been opened I never thought possible simply by listening and obeying him and walking in that path which he put before me and being obedient to it. But to get to that process, there was a great deal of toil, a great deal of suffering, a great deal of loss, not as much as some more than others. I don't put myself on a pedestal. Unfortunately, when we get into these places where everyone is desperate and they expect things to be given to them, they've missed the journey along the way to ask, how did you get here? What caused you to be where you are? And that is one of the hardest places, again, when we get into accountability because people don't like accountability. It's one of these things that I've talked about so much, in, and I'm, I will continue to pound on it because in the sense of a society, if we cannot establish absolute accountability, we will never, ever reset the society. Our founding fathers did not build a nation, build a republic based on lack of accountability. In fact, it was quite the opposite. The whole principle of the republic is that it's we the people. That means each and every one of us is accountable for the form of government which we have. Right now, we are here because we the people did not do our job of ensuring that that which was in power was held accountable to us. We let those that were in power come to us and tell us that they were in charge of us, that we 
that we were accountable to them. That's not the way this was designed. And we let that inversion happen for a variety of reasons. Yes, they manipulated a lot of things. But in the manipulation, you have to ask again and again, how do we get to a place like in the Great Depression? How do we get in a place that so many people would become so slaughtered by an economy if everyone was living in, on their means and raising their own food and animals? And we Again, it goes back to a devious method of getting people roped into economics that are out of our reach and out of our control. These are big discussions, but they're big discussions that have to be had because at the end of the day, what we need to be looking at and looking at very seriously is that we as a nation are in a place where we have to start looking at where we want to go, not just where tomorrow is. There's a generational view. We have to regenerate the ideas of generational wealth. We have to reclaim the ideas of rebuilding from scratch. And th this is not an egalitarian society. The idea of Nasera Jasera literally is like, let me give you all the money you need. You're going to get resources to go out and do great things. And even if you listen to some of these models of like Nasera Jasera, there's going to be a point when everybody does an interview and they ask you, you know, what is your vision and what are your dreams and plans? And then they allocate a certain budget for you to go out and start doing these great things in society. Sounds wonderful. Sounds great. How many people do you think could really hold to that? And the realistic issue is all these models are built outside of Christ. There's your fundamental problem. Because we're not talking about, first and foremost, resetting a nation based on biblical groundings. We're talking about, first and foremost, resetting a nation through the glory of money. Money's Babylonian. And the whole problem with these ideals of the Jubilee based on these Nisera Jasera models and variations of it is it's always comes down to money. I've said this before and I, I can't say, I mean, I say this in my own way because I, I truly mean this. If we are praying into heaven and you're asking for dollars, I don't think those prayers are easily translated because God doesn't work in dollars. It's going to be in resources and opportunities. Things will come in our way and sometimes it may manifest in terms of dollars in a bank account. But the fact of the matter is that if, if that's what you're doing and you're praying into something like, I've got a bill to pay, please help me do this, we're not opening up the channel of how heaven works. God has so many different ways of moving this. We have to, we have to understand that we can't box him in. Let me give you a real tangible story, and I've shared this with you before, but I think it's very important to, to realize just how profound this is. The Church of Glad Tidings has their main assembly hall. It's where they do their conferences. It's where they do their worship. Now it's a big one. It's nice. It holds about 900 people. And it's designed to be very flexible. This is, in, in, for those of you that don't know, the Church of God Tidings is in Yuba City, California. That's Pastor Dave Bryant that leads it. It's where I go, where they have the deliverance training. It's Isaiah 61. It's also where I go down and do some actual work on the deliverance team. It's a great church. And, I, I, and they have really built an ecclesia model of a church to build themselves as a community asset including a major food bank, including recovery centers for people that are dealing with addictions. They have amazing centers for, they have an amazing K through 12 school. All of this is on their campus and it's very, it's, it's very um, unique in each of its spaces it's in. And everybody comes together to make this work. This large building, when they built it, they raised the money through donations and the entire building, less the elevator, was built by labor contributions and church contractors and just church volunteers, a whole thing. It's a beautiful building, everything, from even the finish crown moldings that are in the big building and the stage and all this. The only thing the state wouldn't allow them to install was the elevator. That's just a rule. It's in California anyway. But for liability purposes, they had to have the elevator company install it. So... They came down to the last and final piece, which was their multimedia system to, to create the effects of being able to pre, pre, create a church of the 21st century. And they were approximately a million dollars short to a, for that budget, which included, and if you don't know AV, audiovisual stuff, you will run up a budget super fast on a big building, let alone a small studio. So the fee was about one, one million, 1.2 million, something like that, to get everything they needed. 
So they went through a process of looking for donations and it just didn't come through. And they had a donor that was, that had been part of the church, very quiet, and he had come to like the church and Pastor Dave Bryan got to know this person in a big way and brought them into the church deeper, supported them, went and spent time with them at their own home to do some deliverance work with them. And he just because he's obedient to God. Now, this is where the story gets interesting. Is that Pastor Brian is called to go do a, a an assessment on a church. That was one of he would do audits on churches in the past. So he went down to look at this church. And as he went down to Southern California to look at this church as he entered in and he presented the case to them. And this case that he presented was his church was financially mismanaged and that it needed to be it needed to be sold or completely restructured and so this board members at this meeting literally said to him we want to give the church to you now to understand 501c3s you can't sell assets into a private world from a 501c3 however one 501c3 can transfer assets to another 501c3 without any penalty and Pastor Brian really didn't know what to say. It's like, you want us to have this church? They said, yes. And so they accepted. And they decided as a church, that they, rather than creating a satellite church, that they would go down as a team as a church. They would clean up the church. They would get it ready. And they would find another pastor to sell it to. So they did all of that. They spent time down there. And they got the church all structured. And in the process of getting this all structured, they found a buyer for it, which was a young pastor. They wanted his own church, and in the process of this, they sold it for the exact amount that they needed to pay for the AV. But here's the catch on the whole thing. Remember that guy I told you that had come to the church? He was a donor, got to know Dave really well. All that happened before that church was offered. And here's the interesting thing. That man was the original contributor to the church that Pastor Dave Bryant was given. And he was the one that made that church what it was before its management went into the toilet. God works in amazing ways. And now that person who is part of Glad Tidings Church is an active member of that church. God works in amazing ways. And that would be called a jubilee in a certain, and I'm using it very loosely, but if we're going to take jubilee as her sort of great rewards and freedom of a day, there's an experience of it. And I'm, I'm abusing the word jubilee. I want to be clear because there is a biblical framing of this, but I, I'm in making a point here because it's coming up more and more in this discussion as we start to enter into an era which we can note and is being noted in, in more posts like with Harari's, that the World Economic Forum, this global elite, is losing power. Populist governments are rising. And yet as that happens and we look around and we say, oh my goodness, you know, God is moving here. It's all going to be better now. We're all going to get this taken care of. There is some big things coming. There are big things coming. We don't know what they are. Maybe it's a pole shift. Maybe it's a solar storm. Maybe it's something beyond our imagination. I guarantee you that the people in power are not done yet. And that's the other part of this naivete. They're not finished. And while we may start seeing some great prosperity in other countries, El Salvador for one, I just elected a fantastic president, Nicaragua, who has some of the biggest Christian revivals in the entire nation right now. We're seeing that happen. We're not seeing it happen here yet. And I believe it will happen here. But it's not going to happen simply because it happens. It's going to happen because of the constant osmotic pressure that the people of God keep pressing into this system to finally have a breakthrough to bring a nation to humble itself before our Father. That reality is now upon us. And the commission that we have, which is to constantly spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then to go further to try to invoke the fivefold ministries across this nation as standard, where it is really the apostolic, the prophetic, the, the healing of the sick and the wounded or the broken, 
the raising of the dead and the casting out demons. That is the centerpiece of Jesus's ministry. And it's where, as we push into that and raise that up, that's a power and might that we would have in a, in a world that would truly be transformative in so many ways. We are in a very, these sort of times that we're in right now are times that are going to require all of us to literally push into that if we're going to see some major change. This morning, which was interesting, there is a, a notice of a gun law that was just passed in Virginia of all places. And this is a gun ban again, that they don't seem to get enough of their gun bans. And it is a a ban on assault weapons. So here we have a supposed rise of the populist movement, but we still have these many voices, and this is actually being led by a veteran. I want to play this piece for you. There's one swear word in it somewhere along the way, just warning you. But I want you to hear this perspective, and I want you to keep in mind what we've been saying, that when we get convenient and comfortable in a point of thinking in terms of the populist rising and God is going to fix all this, we are still not facing the accountability for where we are. So let's take a look at this piece. Hold on just a second. We don't seem to be having audio on this this morning. So I may just have to skip it. Okay. Hang on. I think I've got it right here. Okay. Here we go. All right. Let's give this a try. Weapons ban on a party. Hold on a second. Let me get this going. Today, the Virginia House approved an assault weapons ban on a party line vote. The debate on the House floor waged by two military veterans, one sponsoring an assault weapons ban bill, another firmly opposed to new restrictions. Fairfax County Democratic Delegate Dan Helmer's bill would end the sale and transfer of assault firearms manufactured after July 1st, 2024. It also prohibits the sale of certain large capacity magazines. This bill would stop the sale of weapons similar to those I and many of the other veterans carried in Iraq and Afghanistan. It's so goofy to me when Benedict veterans act like they have some moral superiority to tell the American people what they can and can't use to defend their lives. I don't care what you carried in Iraq and Afghanistan. Well, actually, I do care because I want you to have the best tool available to defend yourself during war, the same way Americans want the best tool available to defend themselves in America. Similar doesn't mean same. It's not the same. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. My AR-15 is not the same as your M4. Not that it even matters. If the government thinks the best tool to defend yourself is with an M4, why is it we have to use a less capable gun to defend our families in the very country you took an oath to protect? Are our lives less valuable? Are you not fighting overseas so that we can be safe in America? If the American people can't protect themselves with the best in their own country, what the hell did you fight for? Besides, the argument isn't even logical. If you want to ban our AR-15s because it's so-called similar to what you carried in Iraq and Afghanistan, can't you use the same logic to ban handguns? I and millions of Americans own the same semi-auto handgun you carried in Iraq and Afghanistan. Not similar, but the exact same. You're not going to say that though because you have to set the play up first. Start with the easy to ban stuff like the scary looking AR-15 and then over time, when we forget what you did with the AR-15s, you can then start going after the handguns. Damn Benedict veterans, man. I tell you, they are absolutely the worst. Helmer reminding lawmakers of mass shootings across this country in which assault-style weapons were used. Our schools, our community centers, our college campuses, our nightclubs, and our shopping malls are not war zones. At least they shouldn't be. It is indisputable. Handguns are the most common weapon type used in mass shootings in the United States, with a total of 166 different handguns being used in 116 incidents between 1982 and December 2023. These figures are calculated from a total of 149 reported cases over this period, meaning handguns are involved in about 78% of mass shootings. That means even if you could make all the AR-15s disappear overnight, poof, gone, poof, never there, we'd still have mass shootings because 78% of them are committed with handguns. This is goofball logic and once again goes to show that they will inevitably start going after handguns next and it won't stop. 
Arguing against the measure, Culpeper Area Republican Delegate Nick Freitas. He was a Special Forces weapons sergeant in Iraq. He says the focus of legislation should be criminals, not guns. If you take a weapon and you put it on a desk and you don't touch it, nobody gets assaulted. People do assault other people. And that should be the sort of crime that we're actually going after. But again, we're going after inanimate objects. Exactly, exactly, exactly. If banning guns works so well, why aren't we banning guns globally? Why aren't all the global Illuminati groups coming together and banning guns across the world? They're not doing this because other countries would tell them to go f yourself and have guns anyway, the same way criminals have guns anyway. Criminals don't give a damn about gun laws. So we all have guns because the people we don't want having guns have them anyway. And if they decide to do something with those guns, we can defend ourselves against them. This isn't rocket science. And while the bill does not impact assault weapons manufactured before July 1st, 2024, it does prohibit younger Virginians, those under age 21, from owning, selling, or transferring assault weapons, regardless of the manufacture date. Freda says he fears if this bill becomes law, even greater restrictions could be ahead. So ultimately, I don't agree that this is going to save lives. And I also don't agree that this is where it's going to stop. I think any veteran or active duty member of the military who actively plays a role in stripping constitutional rights is disgusting. And honestly, and you'll all be tried for treason. But it goes to show why the Second Amendment is so vital. It was written to guard against people like this to protect this country from the tyrannical aspirations of people in our own government. You took an oath to protect the Constitution, but now you're doing the complete opposite. Instead, you're criminalizing a constitutional right and telling us it's for our own good. I'm just glad we have way more veterans like Nick who actually took their oath seriously and didn't turn into a Benedict veteran. Didn't turn into a Benedict veteran. And this is really, when you start to look at this level of fight, you start to see just what we're up against. American people love their military. They also obediently support their military without a lot of thinking. And this is one of those great PSYOP weapons that are in play now in the PSY war. Finding those veterans, many of which have never been on the front lines. And when you get down to finding out where their actual duty station was, you'll find out that many of them were never on the front lines. They may have deployed. For all I know that that was some rear amph pogue meaning that he's in the back end of, the, of this thing, or he's, he's become liberalized when he came back because he was an officer and they offered him a great many, much money so he could go play politics and make the world a better place and puff him up with a bunch of roses and, and nice smelling salts. But the bottom line is that he has an obligation and had an obligation that he literally was to protect and defend the Constitution and what it stands for. That doesn't give people a right to take it away. Our fight here, and we put all this other aside as the World Economic Forum and as the global elites are starting to lose power, and they are backsliding, okay? There's no question about that. They are backsliding. But as they backslide, we are in a place right now where we have a great deal of work to do because they're not stopping. Simply because the big ones may be sliding back into the shadows doesn't mean that their actions are stopped. Nor does it mean that we're suddenly on this horizon of a great jubilee where everything will be free. People have a hard time with this because they've been through a lot. And Americans in particular don't know the true sense of suffering. We've been a society very immune and separated from the ideas of suffering. Unfortunately, there is more suffering in this country than there is in many places of the world right now. And it's by our own hand and it's by with our own people. We have a starvation and famine that's going on in stealth right now. Children not able to get enough food, that they're relying on the food school programs to feed them and those diets are being cut back. Homeless people that are in masses across our cities, lining up on the city streets that people just walk by and ignore. We have people that are sitting on marginal incomes where they can, are having to choose between gas and food, rent and food. We have young people now that are choosing to follow the path of using the free money of, of welfare, EBT cards, in order to have what they want because they don't have enough money to do both, food and rent. These are the sorts of realities that are in our society. We are a very, very fragile society right now that if a simple shift in the economic scope where the dollar buys much less or these social programs stop being, they are, we are going to see total chaos. And we're going to see a greater level of famine than most of the world has witnessed because we're that close. We are literally nine meals to starvation. 
nine meals to anarchy. And that's the truth. The average home has less than nine meals in its cupboard. So when we talk about preparations here, it's very real. It's not just for us, but it's for your neighborhood. We are that fragile as a society. And if I was an evil person that wanted to seize control, I would do a great deal to make sure that that base of people that became dependent on the government would become more dependent and more happy that the government was taking care of them so that they would become more energized if anybody wanted to take these socialized programs away. If you pay attention to the bills, that's exactly what's going on up in Congress. And so they create a dependent class that they push across this border into our, into our cities and anchor them with free stuff. They alienate the, the white, predominantly it's a white work profile of working class that they want out. And they take a millennial and they take a Gen Z class and they pump them full of free stuff and promises of a future of a UBI. You want to create a class of people. Why would you do this? And this goes back to my original premise. A good psy war never ends with, the, with those that instigated it losing. It ends only when the ideologies of a country are shifted to the place you need them to be. Understand that. You can replace the presidency. You can get rid of D.C. You can take out the media. You can take out the global world order. But they have already seeded their hell within our borders and within our lifestyle. You're not going to walk out of this and suddenly get transgenderism to go away because the parents that did it are going to defend it because if they admit what they did, they're going to have to admit that they mutilated their own children to never have children again and that they were deceived by the hand of the devil. If you take away the free food and free meal cards, EBT and welfare from a large percentage of this population, what are you going to replace it with? What's going to come on the backside to help them get off the streets? What's the program to help them get back into the society? We have big challenges. And so if you're going to follow a Nasera Gisera model of Jubilee, then I would ask the next question. What happens when you take that person right now who is literally, and this is a real example, by the way, using their EBT card to go out and buy sushi and buy the sort of fun food that they need because they're just bored with the things that they can afford with their budget. In fact, this particular example, what their boyfriend can afford in his budget they use the EBT card. What's going to happen when you hand those people an unlimited budget and say, go forth and do good things? What will that look like? And do we want an empowerment of a Nasera Gisera model, if that's it, to these people out here that are literally living in a woke culture that are going to be given more resources to do the same? These are consequences that we don't think through because we're not a society built on accountability. We don't walk through it. We don't pay attention. And instead, we're eager to try to get to the finish line without doing what God needs us to do, which is to walk the path and stay focused on him. Disciples of the world. That's what we are. And it's also in Matthew 13, 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth, but the salt has lost its taste. But if the salt loses its taste, how can it be made salty? In other words, if you lose your purpose, how can it be made salty? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown down and walked on by people. And this, again, when the walkers, when the walkways are wet and slippery. We, you are the light of Christ of the world. A city on the hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but in a, but on a lampstand and gives it light to all who are in its house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and moral excellence and recognize the honor and glory your father of your Father who is in heaven. When we live in those principles, our society begins to change. But until then, we, become, we are very inoculated with the me culture, the me culture of taking care of myself first, taking care of what I have first, possessing what I have first, hoarding. This is the way we've become and trained. But in a greater view of what kingdom society is like, we don't even understand what a kingdom economy is. We're trying to navigate our way to it, but what does that look like? So again, jubilee. Is there a great jubilee coming? Some people are prophesying it. Maybe it's true. But that jubilee, I guarantee you, is not going to be rooted in the problems, of the re if it's from God, it's not going to be rooted in money. I will guarantee you that. And if it's of God, it's not going to be something that's going to be about corrupting. It's going to be about something that elevates us up closer to him in the glories of what heaven has to offer us in the powers and authorities of kingdom. 
because that's the center of love. We don't take the material to the heaven. We know this. But this short-term thinking and this desperation thinking puts people out there to say, oh, I've got all this debt. What am I going to do? Oh, I got all this lack of things and they have so much. What am I going to do? I want land. I deserve land. How am I going to get it? There is a reset coming and there will be many things but I, that will change with this. But be very wary of things that are offered for free. One of the core issues that happens in every totalitarian government when it begins is it's called redistribution. And it sounds so good. When a society is so broken and worn down, when you have people that have been without for so long, when you've propped up the idea that the rich are always the evil, and you point their finger at them, and you can even use scripture to, to suggest that if you're, it's easier to walk through an eye of a needle than to give away your riches, we, they use all of these tools as weapons in their psy war to get you thinking that the true evil is out there when the true evil is within our heart. We have to come back to that place of who are we and get a good handle on who we are and what we're trying to achieve in the body of Christ. But you release something like Nisera Jacera or you release some other concept like this in a fake jubilee, you'll end up in global chaos. You'll end up with the greatest laziness and the greatest rise of warlordism that you've ever imagined. Because no longer will people be inspired to do something that wants somebody else to do that for them. And that's the truth. If right now today we walked into this world and said every single person in this nation gets a million dollars, I could do this in the city of Portland and I would guarantee one outcome, guaranteed. You would lose every contractor. You would lose most of your trades. You would lose most of your service industry because they would no longer find interest to do something that they didn't want to do. And in that chunk of money that they'd have, they would leave and a city would rot. And those that stood there with all the money in their hand would have to start facing a very harsh reality that unless you do it yourself, it ain't going to happen. So let us pray into a change and transformation of the waking of the body of Christ. Let us pray into that authorities that we are given to make that part of the greatness of what we would call a jubilee, if that's what you're looking for. But more importantly, let's pray into a nation that will reset itself on the root of, of accountability and putting their eyes and their root in the laws of God. And when we do that, that itself is one of the greatest moments of transition and I think it will lead to one of the greatest jubilees we've ever imagined. But it's only going to begin when this nation humbles itself in repentance before our Father. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning, and we are grateful that we have every morning that we do to assemble in this fellowship, which extends literally across the world. So Father, we, we bless all of those that are here today, regardless of what country you're in. We're just blessed to be here blessed to be together here, blessed to be praying together, blessed to be part of the one body of Christ. No matter where you are on that spectrum, whether you're new to Jesus or been here a long time, it never ceases to be a process of learning and leveling up. There's always more to achieve. So we pray this morning, Father, that we are moving all towards a measure of accountability. This accountability becomes deep in our heart, that when we look in the mirror, we're looking deeper into what we need to work on rather than trying to look outward to find out what others need to work on. That we spend time within our own landscapes, we spend time within our own human terrain to lift ourselves and become greater in you and our love deeper in you, to truly become more devotional to you and to see more things through your eyes and your heart. That's a lifetime walk. As we take the time to steward that garden, Father, we're taking the time to steward the garden that expands out far beyond us for our walk becomes one of truth, not one of mimicry or just words. Father, in this very important time and era when we are truly seeing a shift in power, it is easy for people to be lured in and lulled into a false promises of premature hope and anticipation of greatness, of distribution of wealth and so forth, which we know is very much a trap. It's the next level of this psy war of those that are in power that want to lead those people that are most broken into a promise of avarice with 
guaranteed monthly incomes and great promises of incredible technologies and all these things that will supposedly make life easier. But what it doesn't get to the core of is it doesn't get to the core of a transformational change within the root of people, within who we are. And so our mission literally never changes. Regardless of what comes of what follows this World Economic Forum, our mission pursues the same, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, to envelop and to bring about the fivefold ministry, the prophetic, the apostolic, the healing, the deliverance, and the raising of the dead. And to seek the greater works as we walk as stewards of this world, advisors to kings and leaders of nations, rather than seeing ourselves simply as daily slaves to a system that we've allowed to take control of us. Father, so many people still live within the walls of the matrix, and that will not suddenly change. It will take a dedicated few that will eventually grow in its ranks to continue to pursue that walk of a greater part within you. And that's a wide range of diversity within the body of Christ. So let our, pr let our prayers this morning be heard as we pray into the heart of a nation and a heart of nations around the world to see the rise of accountability. And most of all of this, Father, to have a transformational moment where we each in this world, in every moment across this world, have a witness and a presence and experience with Jesus Christ, that he himself can be presented in the many forms that he can to fill our heart with the understanding of the heart of forgiveness and of a loving God. That's one of our biggest prayers, Father, because it's the one thing that breaks the matrix. It's the one thing that opens our heart. It's the one thing that brings us to our knees. More than anything, it allows us to suddenly take a reflection upon our life and realize where we've gone, what we've done, and how we will need to transform, all in the presence of knowledge of the heart of Jesus that truly shows us the true power of healing and forgiveness and also the mightiness of the warrior king that he is. So, Father, we pray these blessings in the name of Jesus. We pray these blessings for a world, not just our country. And we pray these blessings for a moment of a sudden shift that will ultimately bring, our, bring this world to its knees. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. In a quick update so that everybody knows, Candy Crates, Jim Crates and Candy Crates. Candy Crates went through her surgery yesterday. And that surgery was to finally bring, restore the section of skull that they had removed from her after the um, stroke that she had after, shortly after Bars Fest. Candy's been through a very powerful four months. She went from being told that she would be a vegetable and be paralyzed, partly paralyzed for the rest of her life, to now having graduated from occupational and physical therapy, and now she's in the refinements now of speech therapy as she's regained her functions and her abilities. And now yesterday, her skull was replaced without any complications in the surgery, and she's now fully restored. So as we close today, let's do a closing prayer for her. Father God, I just want to thank you for the blessings that have come to us as we witness the miracle of the living God and reminded in the true power of our prayers and the power of love and the power of healing in candy crates. We also reminded in the authorities and the love of a husband that was given by Jim as he took authority over his wife and breathed life and prayed life into her on a daily basis. He set a hedge of protection around that was both spiritual and physical to ensure that only life would be spoken in that room, that hymns would be played, that prayers would be a center point to all things. And we witnessed the miracles happen before us. This road is not over yet, Father, and so we continue to pray for Candy and her miraculous healing. And we pray that whatever was completed yesterday as the restoration of her body will truly be the spark that will finish out the healing in a most profound way. That her speech will return and all those pieces left to be healed now will be healed immediately in a spontaneous and miraculous healing that will be leave again so many people stunned, more stunned than they already are. And may what comes out of this be a blessing upon Candy in her heart to truly be a, one who can give testimony to the power of the living and miracle God and give testimony to the power of faith and prayer 
and take that ministry into anything that she does, whether it's photography or any other arts that she chooses, whatever pathway she chooses, let that be a calling on her heart and a manifestation in her hands to truly be able to transform this experience into an expressive ministry that people can feel and be inspired by to go to the next level. So bless both Candy and Jim, Father. Continue to provide them with the resources, the strength in their love, and the and a reminder for others to look at them as examples of success in truly giving in and taking authority to all that you give us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. An amazing story of recovery, an amazing story all the way around. And at some point, we will have them on the show. I will say probably one of the a very powerful moment. It was a few, it was a month over a month back when I called Jim and we prayed. And out of the blue, in the early moments when Candy was just beginning to speak, Candy spoke the words, Amen. It was powerful. Even Jim was stunned. So our God is a miracle, is a miracle God. He's an amazing God. And he will see to our will and goodness of all things we do. But our mission has to be within him. So seek him out. Seek deeper. Go deeper. Go farther. He's there. And the doorways are open. And it begins in the word. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Bards FM. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country.
an old evil that has waited thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.